Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Once again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you just for for hanging out in this service and this time with us this morning. But today, I want to kick off a brand new series that we're simply calling The Full Pursuit. Now, that title is going to make more sense in just a few moments. A brand new series called The Full Pursuit, a little different type of message than we normally focus on. Normally, we do more of a topical type message. In other words, we'll look at a topic that we need to process through, and we'll kind of craft a sermon series around that. But I really felt impressed back in the fall when I was planning the sermon series for the year, the layout for the year, I really felt that we needed to take some time and do some Bible book studies. So take some time and grab a hold of some books of the Bible and really dissect what they mean for our lives and in our lives today. So for the next several weeks, I have it blocked out to be seven weeks, but it may end up being a little bit longer. We'll see how things pan out. We're going to be working through a series on the book of James. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he's writing to a group of people that are having problems with what they believe. So during this time of uncertainty, during this time of soul-searching, if you would, for us as believers, I want to process through the book of James, which I believe really is our manual for spiritual maturity. So therefore, the full pursuit. We are making the full pursuit in our efforts to reach toward all that God has for us, to mature in our faith, to grow in our walk with God. Our text today is James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, and it says, Dear brothers and sisters, by the way, that's all of us, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let me pause for a moment. Man, there's some powerful, vitally important words just in that first section. When troubles, that means they are going to come. You're going to face opposition. You're going to have difficulties. When troubles of any kind, that means it's not necessarily going to be exactly like the trouble of your neighbor. It's not just going to be the trouble that your coworker has. Any type of problem or difficulty may come down your path. Then he says, consider it an opportunity. We're going to process through that word consider in just a moment. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, we're going to look at this section of Scripture in in somewhat of a great detail This morning, and hopefully, it will allow us to gain a new perspective of all that we are facing in life. We've all heard this saying, maybe you want to say it with me when life throws you lemons, that's right, make lemonade. When life throws you lemons, make 
lemonade. That's so much easier said than done. You see, when life throws us lemons, we would rather throw hand grenades back rather than making lemonade. We would rather simply blow up to explode, to have shrapnel lying everywhere when we're done. Yet that goes against everything that the Word of God has a say to us. It goes against the instruction, our guidebook of life. You see, we are to allow the troubles, the difficulty, the opposition of any kind to build our maturity. We're to allow it to build our joy, to build our faith, to cause endurance in our lives to grow. Now, society would have you to believe that as long as you are in tune with your inner self, then you can accomplish anything. But can I be honest with you today? You can be in tune with your inner self all day long, but if you are faced with opposition, if you are faced with problems, with difficulties, the loss of a job, the shortage of finances, family or relational issues, sickness, disease, if you are hit square in the face with tough times, I don't care who you are, by yourself, listen carefully, by yourself and in your own attempt, you are literally a ticking time bomb ready to explode at the drop of a hat. So what do we do with this? That's what I want to look at today. You see, James, right off the bat in this great book, he gives us some very difficult words, but if we will allow those words to penetrate our heart, I believe that they are words that will help us to grow or mature in our walk with God. He wants us to understand that not a single one of us are alone, that we don't have to go through these trials by ourselves. But when trials come our way, we don't have to explode, we don't have to implode, but we can grow and mature. We can become the victor rather than the victim. Did you grab a hold of that? We are able to become the victor rather than the victim. The Jewish Christians that James was writing to they were facing some difficulties in their life that needed to be addressed. Have you ever faced difficulties that needed to be addressed? Absolutely. Every one of us do. We would rather push those to the side and avoid them. But how many of you know if we don't deal with them in the moment, we'll find ourselves imploding or exploding on those around us? Many of us in this culture are facing difficulties right now. COVID-19 has us scared. It has us fearful. It has us consumed with uncertainty. Some of you have been laid off from your job. Some of you are quarantined right now because you've been around somebody that's tested positive for, with COVID-19. But I want you to know that even when opposition and problems and struggles come your way, they don't have to destroy you. 
But the Bible says, consider it an opportunity, an opportunity for great joy. Today, I want to share with you three wonderful truths that James gives us when it comes to overcoming difficulty. Three truths that James gives us when overcoming difficulty. Number one is this, trials in life are inevitable. I know that's not real encouraging, but Paul, right out of the gate here, he says, dear brothers and sisters, in other words, listen up, troubles are going to come your way when troubles of any kind come your way. One thing that I really appreciate about James in this particular letter is he is real. He doesn't try to give us some fluff and say, you know what, it's, it's going to be okay. He doesn't pat us on the back or give us some bonbons or, or put a pillow under our head or a, a big, warm, fluffy blanket around us. No, right off the bat, he says, you're going to have problems. Look at the person sitting on the couch next to you and say, you're going to have problems. That's right, we're going to have problems. James isn't trying to tickle our ears with some beautiful dialogue or poetry of some sort. Now, don't get me wrong, there are times that we need the beauty. There are times that we need the the encouragements. There are times that we need that type of writing. But the purpose of this particular letter, the book of James, was to bring a society of believers back to a place where they fell in love with God for the very first time, to a practical and an honest walk with Him. I would encourage you over the next several weeks, as we process through this book of James, allow it to bring you back to that place of right standing with God, bring you back to that place of growing and maturing in your walk with Him. James is telling us to expect trials in life. Our text says, when troubles come your way. It doesn't say if they come your way, because they are going to make it your way sooner or later. Difficulties are inevitable. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to have conflict. In this world, you're going to have trials and and tribulations. Peter says it this way, don't be surprised when you have problems. In other words, count on it. It's going to happen in your life. You don't get to avoid them just because you say, I don't want to have any problems. They're not going to bypass you if you say, you know what, I really don't want the issues here. No, problems are going to show up. Now, God could, if he so desired, God could shelter you from the troubles. God could shield you from the trials. God could protect you from the conflict. But here's the deal, if God every single time moved us away from the issues and the problems and the difficulties of life, we would never mature. We would remain an infant in our Christian walk, never growing 
in our faith. You see, sometimes growth is painful. I joined the gym a few weeks before COVID-19. Man, I was getting up every single morning at 6.20. I was at the gym by 6.30. I was supposed to meet a certain guy there, and I won't shout out his name, Matthew Heron. He was supposed to be there every day with me to keep me accountable. He was there day one. Man, I got there, and he showed me how to work out, and man, we had a big workout. He didn't show up day two, three, four, five. Actually, I never saw him again, but that's another story for another time. Um, but I worked out really, really hard day one. And here I was, I mean, I'm, I'm doing the cardio, I'm doing the, the weights. Can I just tell you, Tuesday, I hurt. Wednesday night came around, I couldn't hardly lift my arm. People were coming into church, and I was going to shake their hands, and I was like, I got to lift my arm just to shake your hand. It was painful, this growth, this maturing of my muscles was difficult times. But here's what I've discovered. As I continued to press in day after day after day, the pain went away, but the growth continued. I was able to, to stay on the bike longer. I was able to lift greater amounts as I went forward with that. Now, I'm going to have to start all over once COVID-19 is done because I haven't worked out a single day and think I, I think I've gained the COVID-19 uh, that's 19 pounds because of this virus uh, that's going around. No one in the room is laughing. I've got like five people in the room, and none of them are laughing at my jokes. By the way, did you, did you by chance see we have a myriad of puppets? The staff thought it'd be fun for me to preach to a bunch of puppets today, so they're all over the house. But sometimes pressing in is difficult. Sometimes pressing forward through the trials is painful. But if you continue to press forward, you will build spiritual muscles. So here's my question. What are you going to do with your troubles? You see, the choice is yours. I can't decide for you how you will respond to the difficulties that you face in life. You can't respond for the person next to you or across the room from you, of how they will respond to difficulties of life. The question is, what are you going to do with your troubles? Look what Peter said in 1 Peter. He said, dear, my dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful test you are suffering as though something unusual were happening to you. Don't be surprised because what you are facing is a normal part of this thing that we call life. Life sometimes throws us lemons. Life sometimes throws difficulty in our path. The question is, what are you going to do with those troubles? One translation says it this way, whenever you face trials now the word face here from the original language literally means to fall into unexpectedly it's the same word that is used with the good samaritan you know when the man was traveling down the road and a and a, a group of raiders bombarded him and began to beat him up he wasn't expecting that moment to take place it was unexpected he faced opposition in that moment. You see, trials are not planned. 
I don't know about you, but I didn't plan for COVID-19. All of a sudden, it was there. It just arrived. You may not have planned to lose your job. You may not have planned to get sick. You may not have planned for this social isolation. This is not how I was expecting April 19th, 2020 to look. I wasn't expecting to preach to a bunch of puppets today. But here we are. In this moment, what are we going to do with the troubles? However, here's the deal. It's probably good that we don't anticipate them. Because if we anticipated the problem, we would run away from the problem and therefore never grow and never mature. See, when I went to the gym, I was really hesitant to get back to the weights. After that pain that, that just struck through my arms, and my, right here in the, in the crease of my elbow, could not even hardly bend my arm, I'll be honest with you, I really had no desire to go back to weights ever again. In fact, I avoided them for a couple of days just to let my arms rest. But I realized something. I would never grow unless I pressed in. The same is true in your walk with God. The same is true in your walk through life. The same is true when you face opposition. If we run and turn the opposite way, if we go away from the problem, we will never mature. See, that brings us to our second truth that we see in God's Word. Trials in life have a purpose. Did you know that? The trials that you face in life, they have a purpose. James 1.3 says it this way. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. When the way is rough, when, the, when you face opposition, when you have difficulty, your patience has an opportunity to grow. Verse 4 goes on to say, so let it grow. Let your patience grow. Let your endurance grow. Don't try to sidestep it. Don't try to bypass it. Don't try to skip over the fires of life. What we have to understand is this. God can be trusted even when we cannot see the outcome. Did you know that? You can trust God even when you can't see the outcome. Why? Because He's always faithful. All my life, Lord, you've been faithful. We just sang it a few moments ago. Lord, all my life, I've been able to depend upon you. I want you to know today that God can be trusted even when we cannot see the outcome. Even when you cannot see the outcome, you can trust in God. I'm reminded of three particular guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We read about them in the book of Daniel. And by the way, if you struggle to remember the names, uh, my mom used to call them this. Shake the bed, make the bed, and to bed we go. And that's how I remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's just for you. That's, that's free today. All right. So here's a story. 
King Nebuchadnezzar, he had built this humongous statue. It was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he had made this command that, that when the music played, that everybody had to bow down to this statue. In fact, it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 4, Then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the, the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar, his, I'm sorry, King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Now grab a hold of this. Here is this 90-foot statue. It's nine feet wide. The king has made this declaration. The herald comes out. He says, when the music starts playing, everyone must bow down. And if you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But then we have these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The music begins to play, and, and these guys are followers of God. These guys love God. And they had a response to the king. They said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve will rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. O king. But even if he doesn't, did you grab a hold of that? God, I'm going to trust you, but even if you don't do what I believe you're going to do. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. You see, the king gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a second chance. The first time, they didn't bow. He comes back to them in verse 15 and says, Guys, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to play the music, and if you don't bow down, you're going in the furnace. And then they responded, even if you throw us in the furnace, man, we're still going to serve God because he's going to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we trust him. We rely on him. We're not going to turn our back on him. But look at the king's response. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted in rage. He commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Now, what happened next? 
Well, look at verse 25. It says, look, he answered, I see four men loose. (laughs) Weren't they just bound up? Weren't they just tied up and thrown in the fire? Absolutely. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They are not burnt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Come on, look at this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had just spoken to the king. They had just said, no matter how hot the fire goes, no matter what you do, no matter what you throw at us, we're going to rely upon God. We're going to trust in God even when we don't see the outcome. Regardless of the end result, even if he doesn't come through, We're not going to serve your gods. We're going to walk beside Jesus. We're going to walk beside God. And here the king says, man, I I see four guys walking around. Not a single one of them are tied up. Not a single one of them are bound. They're not burned up at all. They're just walking around in the fire. And now there's a fourth guy? And this fourth guy looks like the son of God? I I want you to know that as You go through the fires of life. As you face opposition in life, no matter how hot the enemy turns that fire up, I want you to know that God is right there with you. Look what the theologian Warren Wearsby had to say on this topic. He said, there may come a time when you decide that continuing is too dangerous. Maybe maybe that's where you see yourself Right now, there may become a time when you decide that continuing is too dangerous. Satan may turn on the heat and make things so difficult for you that you want to retreat. Don't do it. When that time arrives, you will be on the verge of a new and wonderful blessing in your own life, a thrilling new step of maturity. Even if Satan does turn on the heat, your Father in heaven keeps his almighty hand on the thermostats. I want you to know that as you're going through difficulties of life, that that God's got your back. That when the heat of life is being turned up, God's got his hand on the thermostat. God's keeping you safe. God's walking through the fire with you we are never alone you are never alone not for a day not for an hour not for a moment not for a second he is always there with you you may be asking yourself well pastor then what's the purpose that you're speaking of it's a great question you see your trials in life help you to mature in your life and grow in your walk with god All the troubles that these Jewish Christians were facing that James was writing to in the book of James had one common denominator. They all centered around spiritual immaturity. So how do we go from spiritually immature to spiritually mature? That's what this entire series is is going to be based around. That's what we're going to process through in this series. Over the next several weeks, we're going to discover how do we grow from immature 
to mature in our walk with God. But I love right out of the gates, James gives us a response. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, in other words, it's going to happen. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. In other words, you'll be mature in your walk, needing nothing. One translation says, you'll be strong in character. You'll be ready for anything, any opposition, any problems, any difficulty, any rejoicing. No matter what you face, you will be ready. Why? Because you've gone from spiritually immature to spiritually mature in your walk with God. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice. Come on, look at that. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Does that make any sense? Absolutely it does. Now it doesn't on the surface. It doesn't with, a, with a, a, an earthly perspective. But it absolutely makes sense with a spiritual or biblical perspective because as we begin to rely upon god as we walk through the fire with him as we trust him even when we can't see the outcome when we face troubles when we face trials we know that they help us develop endurance they help us to develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation so what does god do in our lives through the trials and opposition and struggles he lets our endurance grow that's our patience that's our staying power that's our survival mode that's our stamina that's our strength he builds our character that's who we are in Christ, that's our, our nature, that's our personality, our makeup. He allows that to mature, we become more like Him. In fact, the Bible says that it's in Christ that we discover or find out who we are. You see, it's in those trying times, it's in that walk or in that journey beside Jesus that we discover who we truly are in Him. Look at our truths again. Number one, trials are inevitable. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to face opposition. Number two, trials in life have a purpose. That purpose is to help us grow, to help us mature in our walk with God, to build our character, to build our endurance. So when other, uh, other troubles and trials come our way, we're ready to battle anything of life. And number three, trials in life are opportunities for joy. James says in verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Now, don't misunderstand what James is saying here. He's not saying, well, here's what you do when you face the opposition, when you face the problem, you just put on a mask and you fake your way through it. That's not what, that's not what James is saying at all. God nor James, neither one of them are saying deny 
reality. The reality is sometimes life stinks. Sometimes we have problems. We don't rejoice for the problem. We rejoice in the problem. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I would venture to say when King Nebuchadnezzar became so angry that his face was distorted and he began to shout out, turn the fire seven times hotter. I would venture to say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't going, man, this is awesome. It's going to be barbecue time. I mean, they weren't excited about that. But when they were in the midst of the struggle, when they were in the midst of the troubles, in the midst of the fires, who showed up? Jesus. Because he walks beside you, You don't have to rejoice for the problem, but in the problem we can rejoice because we have this strength, this endurance that comes only through Christ. Again, we don't thank God for the the troubles or the situations. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't say, thank you God, we get thrown in the fire today. But we can thank God in the situation. It's an opportunity to be filled with joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. That means that, that we can thank God because we know without a doubt that He can take the, the bad things of life, those difficulties, those oppositions those trials or struggles he can take all of those problems that we face in life and he can bring them about to something good he can mold us and shape us in that process so that the next time we face that struggle it's not a problem for us anymore we've been there we've seen it we've done it. we bought the t-shirt we we can move past that This particular scripture, be thankful in all circumstances, you've got to hear it in its full completion. You see, if you go back two verses, it says, always be joyful. And now in verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. How is that possible? Because right in the middle of these two moments, right in the middle of always be joyful and be thankful in all circumstances, are three little words, never stop praying. That's our solution. How do we maintain this this joyful attitude? How do we maintain a, a thankful spirit in our lives? Never stop praying. See, to overcome difficulty, it is simply a change of attitude and focus what's your attitude going to be what are you going to do with the problems of life what are you focusing on the fire all around you or the son of god that's walking beside you see your outlook will determine your outcome 
Your outlook to the problems of life will determine what happens in your life on the other side of the fire. It's a consideration. It's a choice. Although I cannot control the circumstances of what's happening in my life, I can control how I will respond to them. I love what the psalmist had to say in Psalm chapter 34. He says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. In other words, no matter what I face, I'm going to give God praise. He goes on to say, I will constantly speak of His glory and His grace. I'm not going to stop praising the Lord just because I face opposition, just because life isn't fair, just because I have a pile of lemons all around me. I'm not going to give up on God. I'm going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to refuse to bow down to those problems, but I'm going to give glory and honor and praise to God. I'm going to rely upon Him because I know that I know that I know that He will see me through. Even when I don't feel like it, even when things aren't going right, I'm going to trust God. See, here's the deal. Problems don't automatically produce blessings. Nor do problems automatically destroy us. For some people, yes, problems destroy them. Here's the truth of the matter. You'll either be bitter or you'll be better on the other side of the issue. The difference between bitter and better is the letter I. I make all the difference. My attitude. My focus. Where am I going to find my strength? Am I going to rely upon the one that walks beside me through the fire? Or am I going to rely upon the temporary things around me? It's how you choose to respond to the difficult times, the tough times of life. Now, God says that the devil, our enemy, wants to use those problems to defeat us. But God wants to use your problems to develop you. God wants to use that financial issue that you're in right now to develop your life. God wants to use that relational issue that you're facing right now to help you to grow and mature in your walk with Him. God wants to use the fear that you have allowed to consume you. He wants you to exchange that fear for confident hope in Him so He can grow your faith today. I want you to know that God cares about you. He cares about you so very much. God sees everything that you're going through. He knows where you are. He knows exactly what you're facing. And He has the power to do something about it. He could do it in a snap. Because he's a miracle working God again why doesn't he because it's a greater purpose I'm reminded of an elderly lady in a church see she had 
had a stroke and physically wasn't doing well herself. Her husband had gone blind and physically was going downhill. They had found him near death, rushing to the hospital, and they thought for sure that that is where he was going to die. The pastor saw the lady in church the next Sunday, and he said, Sister, I want you to know that we're praying for you. She said, Pastor, I really appreciate that, but can I ask a question? What are you asking God to do? Well, the pastor was kind of set back with that question. He wasn't really sure how to respond at first, but then he said, well, I'm asking God to, to help you and to strengthen you in this time. I love her response. She said, Pastor, I really appreciate that prayer, but could you pray one more thing for my family? Could you pray one more thing for me personally? pastor said, absolutely. She said, would you pray that I will have the wisdom not to waste all this? To learn something from it. To grow in her walk with God. To mature in her Christian faith. She understood what James was getting at when he was referring to this full pursuit running full force toward God and a growth in Him. I love what James says in James 1 verse 12. He said, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. We're going to talk about temptation here in the next couple of weeks. It says, afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. God has a blessing for those who patiently endure testing and temptation. You see, James began chapter 1 talking about joy and struggle, and now in verse 12, he gives us this tremendous blessing, this promise that is in store for those that patiently endure. I want to remind you that your outlook if you will endure through this, if you will trust God through this, even though you can't see the other side of it, God's got a blessing right around the corner. But here's another question. Why did James end all of this with those who love him? Why didn't he say, after they receive the crown of life that God promised those who obey him, those who do what he says, those who trust him. Why did he say to those that love him? Because love is the motivation behind our entire relationship with Jesus. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He loved us enough to give his all on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Why? Because God is love. Love is our motivation. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our true motivation. So I challenge you today, let God be that foundation in your life. Turn your love 
toward him. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your opposition, in the midst of your difficulty, your isolation, consider it an opportunity. Let God bring about growth in your life. Remember, greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. God is so much greater than anything and everything we will face. Would you trust in Him? Maybe you've never done that. Maybe this whole idea of Christian maturity is brand new to you because you haven't even given your life to Jesus. Today, would you start by asking Jesus to come into your heart? to forgive you of your sin, to make you brand new. Maybe for you, you've got a relationship with God, but you haven't trusted Him completely. Today, would you run full force to Him? Would you let God be your foundation today? I want to pray two prayers. The first prayer is this. Maybe you're watching, you haven't given your life to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you'll pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I ask you right now, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you make me brand new? I commit myself to you right now I change my focus I turn to you because I know that in you I will find strength that in you I'll find hope that in you I'll find forgiveness I know you love me. I know you died for me and you rose from the grave. But I ask you right now, be my Savior. I give myself to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just committed your life to Christ, I'm so proud of you. I really am. I've got some things that I want to give you, some things to help you in your journey, in your maturity with Christ. There is a, a comment card that in your notes right there that just popped up in the comment box right after this service. Would you take a moment? Would you click on that? And would you fill out that form? One of us wants to follow up with you. One of our staff will follow up with you this week. We'll answer the questions that you have. We'll walk side by side with you. But again, I'm so proud of the step you just took. Now, I got one more prayer I want to pray. I want to pray for all of those that have just made a decision to enter into the full pursuit. If that's you, would you outstretch your hands? I want to pray for you. God, I pray, Lord, that you will reach into every one of these lives. God, you see the decision that's being made. Lord, you see the desire that's being made. 
a longing for maturity in you, a longing for growth in you. Lord, would you take their efforts? Would you move them to a new level in you right now? God, would you bless them? Bless them relationally. Bless them spiritually. Bless them emotionally. Bless them physically. Lord, touch them, God, right now. Show yourself faithful, Lord, as they step into a full pursuit with you. Thank you, God. We praise you, we worship you, we honor and adore you. In Jesus' name we pray.